Hey, this is the Reverend Blake Ruby. Welcome to my show, Church of the Soul's Evolution. And I'm going to talk today about a lot of things which are in my favorite book, Abduction to the Night Planet. So wherever you are listening in the world, whether you're up there in a spaceship listening, welcome. I hope to make it entertaining and, and very interesting and for you to gain a lot of knowledge, spiritual knowledge. That would be ideal, because this life is all about developing ourselves spiritually. Today was a good day. It has been so far. I went out this morning. We had the Toastmasters meeting, and I gave a speech. And it was about this one time when I saved this woman from getting raped in high school. Our senior trip was to the coast of Mexico. I went to the American High School in Guadalajara, Mexico. and. For my senior year, my senior year, we went to a resort on the Mexican coast in a little town called Malaque. And it's a long story. I think I mentioned it before on the previous show, probably a year or so ago. My memory serves me correct. Make a long story short, I saved this my high school classmate from getting raped by this Mexican fisherman. And I won't go into all the details because I've got other things planned, but suffice it to say that sometimes lying can be good. And God forgive me if I'm saying the wrong thing here, but when I told him, I tried, I was a 17 year old young man. He was a fully grown Mexican fisherman, a husky man, and he punched me in the face. What could I have done? Later on, I found out he had a machete. So he was trying to rape one of my classmates it was dark we were over at the edge of the bay which was by alongside the hotel it was like a u-shaped bay and we were over on the side at the edge watching the sun go down we saw the sun go down with my english teacher two mexican twins and this woman by the name of susan cromlin so we watched the sun go down we came back it started getting dark in fact it was pretty dark i was leading the way i heard her screaming i came back and there was this Mexican fisherman, and she had a bikini on, which was kind of like, I guess, raving a, waving a red flag in front of a bull. But anyway, he ripped off her top. The two twins and the English teacher were coming up behind. They, this was all happening on top of a little small knoll. And so they hadn't quite come up to the, hadn't crested the ridge of the knoll. And they were wondering what was going on. So... When I pushed him and asked him what he was doing, he punched me in the face. And then I realized I needed to talk with him and just talk with him and say whatever I could to get him to stop. Eventually, he ripped off her bottom and he was getting ready to, to rape her. But I was there and I told her, told him that she was my girlfriend, a lie, that we were going to get married, another lie. And... I said, look, we'll go to the red light district in the town, in the resort area, and I'll buy him a woman. And I kept on pleading, you know, we're going to get married, please. That's the only girlfriend I've got. And it worked. He went away, and we got in the water. We didn't want to go the way that he had left because we wanted to run into him again. So we got in the water and went across the bay at night in shark-infested waters. We got to the outside the resort. The twins went and got a towel, and they came back, and they wrapped Susan. She didn't have any clothes on, right, because he ripped off her bikini, top and bottom. 
And the police came, they filed a report. Next morning, they brought the man. I identified him, but we couldn't go down to the police station because we had our bus to catch back to Guadalajara. Suffice it to say, from that point on, I was a hero, kind of. I'd saved the day, and what people didn't think much of me before was placed, what they didn't think much of me before, because I was hanging out with friends and and doing kind of the wild and crazy stuff that young men do when they're young, you know, racing cars and getting into substance abuse and that kind of things, those kinds of things. Anyway, they changed their mind about me, and all of a sudden I was a hero. And it didn't last too long because then we left. We all all left, all the seniors did anyway. Guadalajara, we went to different places in the United States. But that was good. So I guess the moral of the story is don't judge people by what you know about them because there might be something in their past that you could recognize as them being a hero, if you know what I mean. So it's not good to judge anybody. People can change their minds about you just by letting them know certain things that you've done in the past and that you're maybe you're not so bad after all. Anyway, I'm going to read from my book here. I've mentioned that reading out loud is a great way to handle public speaking, and I still believe that. I'm a work in progress. You know, I try different things. I try reading from my computer, but the thing is, when I read from a computer and I'm reading different a subject, a different subject, like there's a PDF on the book Paradise, the Holy City, and the Glory of the Throne, and that's all about heaven. It's the greatest book. You should get it. It's available in Amazon. But that's the only thing I can read on my computer. But I've noticed that when you read from a computer, it kind of, your eyes lose focus because of the glare. And reading from a book, I've determined, is the best thing you can do. I'm, again, I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. We try things right. We always want to do the right thing. So let me get right into the spirituality of the show. I hope you had a great last week. Here in San Antonio, Texas, the sun has gone down because the clock went back an hour last Saturday night, and it's actually dark now where before the sun has been in the sky and, and it's gone down. I've had to block it out here in my patio. The weather has been cold. It just got cold yesterday. A cold front, front, front blew in. Front blew in. That's a tongue twister. And it got down into the low 40s this morning, and now it's in the 50s and it's going to be going down into the 40s again. All next week is supposed to be cold. So anyway, let me get right into reading from this book because it's got some great stuff. I'm going to tell you about how the Jewish people became on Earth, their civilization, how it began. And, and you'll be surprised, and you'll understand why the Jews have been persecuted all these years. And I'm part Jewish myself. I had my DNA done recently. I'd say within the last three years, I forget exactly when, but I am 8% European Jewish, and I'm so proud to be Jewish. I know that they always a very intelligent, resourceful, financially sound group of people, you know, 
And that's why they've been persecuted. Six million Jews died in World War II at the hands of the Nazis, you know. Always, some lately in the news about the anti-Semitic movie, you know. Why is it, do you think, logically, in your mind of minds, that the Jews are persecuted? Well, I'll tell you. I'm going to explain it to you here. And reading from my book, Abduction to the Ninth Planet, also known as Thayuba, the Golden Planet, or Thayuba, the the um, prophecy. I forget the name of it. But anyway, there's it's got three different titles. And it's about a man who was abducted. That's a kind of a harsh word, but let's say instead that he was taken to this planet in our Milky Way galaxy, which is inhabited by some extraterrestrials who are hermaphrodite, meaning they're kind of like transgender, both male and female. They can regenerate their cells, which means they, they can live indefinitely. They're approximately nine feet tall. They've had interaction before in our past, in our history. With Moses, back in those days, they parted the Red Seas with their extraterrestrial technology from the spaceships. Hello? Unless you think of some other fantasy reason that you can't quite explain how it happened, but you put your faith in something without really knowing how. Very simply stated... We have been in contact with extraterrestrials throughout the years in our past for thousands of years. And that's very, thousands of years, very obvious with the pyramids in Egypt. Egypt, for example, they couldn't put all those stones on top of each other, 50-ton stones going up 600 feet above the ground with just ropes and logs and manpower. No, they had help from extraterrestrials. We need to realize that. We need to internalize it that we are not alone in the universe because don't you know we're stuck right now? We're stuck in what I call the Copernican gap, which means we haven't proven that we're not alone in the universe, that the ETs are out there. And they come around in the dead of the night. I heard the song, check out this song by Blue Oyster Cult called The Vigil, B-I-G-I-L. It's an incredible hard rock song. It's about extraterrestrials. They can travel at the speed of light. They can go interdimensional like these ETs can. But anyway, they picked up this man. He passed away recently. His name is Michael Desmarquette. And he was abducted from his home in Australia on or about 1987. And he was taken to their planet for 10 days. And that's a Category 9 planet, which means... At the top of the scale, evolutionary one. Planet Earth is a level one, category one planet, which means we're at the very bottom of the evolutionary chain of command, so to speak, the evolutionary ladder. Otherwise known as the planet War and fight what we're learning on Earth is like a tool, like a tool. We learn to tell somebody how to love each other. Isn't that so hard? I mean, man has a strange way of loving each other. Believe it or not, killing each other is a form of love. This is kind of perverted, if you will. But real love is when you can love somebody want peace and happiness and joy, want their children and your children to survive into the future, to live in peace. But this world has been like that. And it's all about reincarnation. 
exception of some that may still be lingering behind in the other heavens, if you will, maybe even in God's jail beneath the surface of the earth in that area around the center of the, the planet known as hell, whether it's hellfire, lava, and Honestly, you're not the there's first also ghosts one. that walk the surface of the earth. Honestly, neither am I. around the corner here, a man... Will you tell me about your first love? And I'll tell you about mine. So tell me all your secrets. Yeah, the bitter parts are sweeter when I know how far you've come to be now. And I'll show you all my scars and how they somehow play a part in making me the one that you don't have to doubt. I can be all yours, you can be all mine I know I got some baggage, but it got me here tonight You told me where you've been, and it changes everything Cause I don't have to worry that you're going there again I've been there too, broken hearted and confused It was just getting me ready for you I didn't know what I wanted Till I found out what I don't I bet you got the same story Already know how it goes So tell me all your secrets Yeah, the bitter parts are sweeter When I know how far you've come to be And how Really, um, Everything, cause I don't have to worry that you're going there again. I've been 
was just getting me ready for you. I know I got some baggage, but you got me here tonight. As you might think, how? I told you where I've been. Didn't leave out anything. And you never have to worry that I'm going down again. I've been there. Going hearted and confused. It was just getting me ready. Get it? He brought, he boots. In order to visit the galaxy in search of a new planet of the same category as their own. For they knew that in the millennium to come, their planet would become totally uninhabitable. A spacecraft capable of extremely high speeds experienced serious problems during its reconnaissance flight and was obliged to land on your planet. It landed in the region of Krasnodar, a town in western Russia. Needless to say, at the time, there was no town, no people, no Russia. On board the spacecraft were eight astronauts, three women and five men. These people were approximately 170 centimeters in height, maybe around six feet tall, with black eyes, fair skin, and long brown hair. They made a successful landing and began repairs to their vessel. They found the gravitational force stronger than on their own planet and initially had some difficulty moving about. They established a camp near their spacecraft, expecting repairs to take some time. One day during work, an accident occurred causing a terrific explosion that destroyed half of the vessel and killed five of the astronauts. The other three, being some distance away, were unharmed. They were Robanan, a man, and Livia and Dinah, two women. They knew well what was in store for them. Coming from a planet of a superior category, they did not belong on Earth where they were in fact prisoners. And thus they anticipated the misadventures that befell them. The accident came as no great surprise. For several months, the three remained at the spot where the season was worn. They had some weapons and they were able to procure game. Their provisions of manna and rustian having been lost in the explosion. Eventually, the cold arrived and they decided to move further south. The gravitational force made walking long distances extremely difficult for them, so that their trek south to warmer climates became a veritable road to Calvary. They passed by the Black Sea, heading in the distance in the direction of today's Israel. The journey took months, but they were young people, and astonishingly, they made it. The weather became more clement and even hot. 
as they reached lower latitudes. They stopped by a river, establishing there a permanent camp. All the more permanent since Dinah was several months pregnant. At full term, she gave birth to a son who they named Ranan. By then, Lavia too was pregnant, and sometime later, she also bore a son, Rabion. These people from Hebra acclimatized in this, turning the page, spot, which was rich in game, honey, and edible plants, and there they founded their line. It was quite some time later that they made the acquaintance of some nomads passing by. This was their first contact with earthlings. The nomads numbered ten, and having found Robinan's woman to their liking, they wanted to kill him and take all that he had, including the women. Robinan still had his weapons, and although a pacifist, he was obliged to use it and kill four of his attackers who fled in the face of such power. These people were greatly saddened that they had to resort to such a measure and saw in it yet another sign that they were on a planet that was forbidden to them by universal law. I don't understand, Michael interrupted. I thought that it wasn't possible to jump categories in a forward direction but that it would be possible to go to inferior planets. No, Michael, neither forwards nor backwards. If you go forward, disregarding universal law, you will die. If you go backwards, you expose yourself to worse conditions because your advanced spirituality can't exist in a materialistic environment. If you'd like, I can give you an, anal an analogy in the form of a childish comparison. Imagine a man immaculately dressed in polished shoes, white socks, and a press suit. You oblige this man to walk through a farmyard 30 centimeters deep in mud. Further, you insist that he put this mud into a wheelbarrow with his hands. No need to ask what state he will be in when he is finished. Nevertheless, our group of extraterrestrials founded their line that became the ancestors of present-day Jews. The Bible was written later by scribes who retraced the history of these people, distorting it as legend became mixed with reality. I can affirm for you that the Adam of the Bible was not only not the first man on earth, far from it. But he was called Wobana. And he didn't have a wife called Eve, but two wives named Zabia and Dinah. The race of Jews developed from these three without mixing with other races because... Because in the various councils of the Roman Catholic Church, the Bible 
has been greatly revised. The reasons which are clear for example, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was caused by one of our states The people of those two towns were presenting a bad example of acting dangerously for the people in contact with them. We tried various means in an endeavor to put them back on the right track. But in vain, each time that you read in the Bible, and the Lord God said this or that, why not save them in the beginning? sat at the entrance to his tent in the heart of the day, in the heat of the day. The scribe is speaking of Abraham in this chapter. Two, he, Abraham, looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to them and fell to the ground before them. Three, and he said, Lord and Master, if I have found grace in your eyes, I beg you not to go far from your servant." Abraham invites the three men to say. The scribe refers to them as men, one minute, and yet one of them is also called the Lord God. Speaks to them, and each time, it is the one referred to as the Lord God in reply. Now the priests of the Roman Catholic Church find this informal contradiction with their views, as do many other religions, for they will tell you that no one can imagine the faith of God that one would be blinded by it. In a sense, they are right. According to the scribe, Abraham converted to the Lord God as he went with the high-ranking Lord on earth. And the Lord God answered him as accompanied by two other men. What does not speak of angels? Isn't it hard that God comes down to earth, comes down to earth in the form of a man? Come 
mercy, not by angels, but by men. Actually, there, and many other places in the Bible, it is for someone of good faith to see that God has never spoken to any human being. could not have done so. It is actual body which is fired towards them, and not God that would be like a river flowing backwards. You have never seen a river flowing from the sea to the mountaintop, have you? A passage from the Bible, two pages from the also quite amusing. Chapter 19, verse 1. Two angels arrived in Sodom. When Lot saw that, he rose to go and kissed the ground in front of him. Then he managed to get them to go to his house. Suddenly, in verse 5, they called Lot and said to him, Where are the men? Now the men. Next to verse 10, the men reached out, made Lot come inside, and closed the door. And they took blind everyone at the entrance the house, from the smallest to the largest person, so that it was useless for them to try and find the door. It is easy to see the lack of precision in this passage, where the scribe begins by speaking with two angels, and speaks to two men, and then describes two men, striking people blind. According to the Bible, such a miracle requires an ancient angel. There, my dear, is another good example. The men were quite simply our men from Siobhan for any Thus we guided the young For it would have been a shame for to evolve. Think back to the ignorance and savagery only because it had accidentally committed the error of coming to a planet which was not appropriate for it. We helped them in the centuries that followed, and it is this that certain scribes have tried to explain by writing the account that have formed the Bible. Hold on, please. One of our dogs just came in. Often they were in good faith at times. They have distorted the fact although not purposely. The only times this distortion was purposely done, and for very specific reasons, as I have said, was by the Roman Catholic Church during the councils of Nicene, A.D. 325, Constantinople in A.D. 381, Ephes in A.D. 431, and Chalcedon, in A.D. 451. There were other two, but of lesser significance. The Bible is not the book of God, as many people on earth believe it to be. It is simply a document of ancient history, much modified and full of embellishment, added by writers different from the original scribes. For example, let's go back to Egypt and the time of the Exodus which interests people on earth. I'm going to restore the truth concerning this for you and others before going further. 
Let's go back then to Egypt, where we find that the descendants of the cosmonauts have become the Hebrew people, the name deriving from that of their planet Hebra. Since arriving accidentally on your planet, this race has experienced great difficulties. It experienced them then, and it experiences them still. As you know, the Jews are very intelligent by comparison with other races. They have a religion which is quite different, and they don't mix with other races. Marriages are almost always among their own kind. Because of the inexorable universal law, they've always suffered persecution, much of which has occurred in recent times. As a result, their astral bodies were liberated and therefore able to proceed directly to more highly evolved planets where they belong. As you know, a group of Hebrews traveled with Joseph, son of Jacob, into Egypt, where they established a line, only to end up being hated by the Egyptians, and always for the same unstated reasons, their intelligence, and particularly their solidarity in the face of adversity. Action was needed. Who was Christ? This occurred during the time of Pharaoh Seti I. It was a time when the people of Earth had all become materialistic. In Egypt, it was common in high society to take drugs. Likewise in Greece, fornication with animals was by no means rare, something which is absolutely contrary to nature and universal law. Our mission being to help when it was deemed necessary, we decided to change the course that history was taking by intervening at this point. We had to get the Hebrews out of Egypt where they could no longer evolve as a free people while under the evil domination of the Egyptians. It was decided to send a man capable and just to lead the Hebrews from Egypt and back to the land they had occupied previously, that is, soon after their arrival on Earth. On the planet, Mexiti, a planet of the eighth category, a man by the name of Yixotin, had just died. His astral body was waiting to be reincarnated on Thayuba when it was put to him that instead he might be the liberator of the Hebrews. He agreed to this and went to earth as Moses. Moses then was born in Egypt of Egyptian parents. His father was the equivalent of a sub-lieutenant in the army. Moses was not born a Hebrew. That is yet another error in the Bible. The story of the little Hebrew baby set adrift in the water and rescued by a princess is very romantic but incorrect. What a shame, said Michael. I always loved that story. It's quite wonderful, like a fairy story. Fairy tales are indeed very pretty, Michael, but you must concern yourself with the truth not fantasy. Promise me that you will only report what is the truth. Of course, have no fear, Thio. Your instructions will be followed to the letter, so to speak, said Michael. I was explaining then that Moses was born in an Egyptian military family. His father's name was Lathoti. Until the age of 10, Moses played often with the Hebrew children. A pretty and amiable child, he was popular with the Hebrew mothers who indulged him with offerings of sweets. In turn, they won his heart 
and he came to love his Hebrew friends like brothers. This is why he was incarnated, of course. But you must realize, after having seen his life as Moses flashed before him, and after accepting to live that life, all details of it were erased from his memory. He passed through what certain Nagas have called the River of Oblivion. This happens whether one accepts or rejects the possible reincarnation. Of course, there is a reason for it. If, for example, you mentioned that around 40 years of age, you would lose your wife and two cherished children in a car accident, and that you yourself would be confined to a wheelchair, the knowledge would tempt you to take your life rather than face up to your troubles, or it might lead you to behave badly in other spheres. So the film was erased in something like the way you wipe out a tape recording. Occasionally by accident, the machine does not erase everything, and you can hear brief portions of what should have been erased. Of course, my analogies are fanciful when I speak of films and tape recordings, but I hope you give I hope they give you an idea of what I'm trying to explain. In reality, that process involves electrophotonics, which means nothing yet to people on Earth. This, in fact, occurs often in the films that the higher self shows to an astral body, which is why people say on several occasions in the course of their lives, I have seen that before, or I've heard that before, and they knew what the very next action or word will be. Well, I'm going to stop right there, my friends. That's some stuff that might not be easy to believe. And everyone's entitled to their opinion. But the bottom line is, what is the truth? I submit to you, me, Blake, the Reverend Blake Ruby, which I, I like to call myself because I am a reverend with the Universal Life Church. I don't have a degree in theology, but I don't believe in degrees. I don't know if you do. You're entitled to believe what you want to believe. But I'm a truth seeker myself. You have to admit that this world has gone down a long road. There's some traditions that exist even nowadays that are not right, that are not true. We've been erasing a lot of untruths in the recent past. Equality of all human beings, especially with women who only just got the right to vote about a century or so ago, you know? Women in places around the world are treated like dogs, worse than dogs. The mothers of our children treated unequally, terribly. The mothers of our children, all those men who mistreat them, who don't respect a woman, for the co-creators with God that they are, to have a baby grow inside their body, how would... You men, including me, how would we like it to have a baby grow in our bodies? Just imagine that if you can. Yet, women haven't been treated equally and only are just now beginning to be treated equally and hopefully will be treated equally going into the future, even more so, because as human beings, as parts of a whole as the positive and negative, alpha and omega, 
the yin the yang, male and female. We live in a universe of males and females, don't you know? For those people that only believe in the Father God, I submit to you, you must also believe in heaven. You think when you're going to get to heaven, you're going to look around and say, okay, I have a father in heaven, but no mother. Are we going to be motherless children in heaven? I think not. I'd be willing to bet. I'd bet. I don't have proof. I can't prove it to you, but consider it. Just think for a few seconds. The throne room of God, the throne room of our mother and father God, sitting like a king and a queen, but equal. And I think I'll read something for you from this book called Paradise, the Holy City, and the Glory of the Throne. You should get that book. And there's a, let me read to you what the throne is like. The throne of God. I'm not talking about the supreme creator of the universe. Like it said in the book I just read from you, the supreme creator is a spirit and doesn't have a, doesn't have a face. Imagine that. The supreme creator of the universe who initiated the Big Bang, his her plan, because the supreme creator is both male and female, was to have a physical universe of solar systems and galaxies and then have beings, sentient beings, who go through a process of reincarnation and become like the Supreme Creator. They can never be the Supreme Creator, but they can be like the Supreme Creator. So that process of reincarnation evolving to the highest point possible of evolution, where they can create planets, sons, their own spirit children in a solar system. The universe is a very large place, my friend, with the borders of infinite space expanding as I talk right now. Imagine that, infinite space. It goes on and on forever. Eternity, your eternal soul. Your soul won't die. Our bodies die but our souls don't die. So the plan was for co-creator gods to be in charge of solar systems and live in the matrix of the solar system on the sun of each solar system. And we are spirits, are spirits of light energy. We are spirits of light energy, and fire is light energy. We as spirits can live in a fire. So whether it's the fire of God, a nuclear fire on that sun over there, or any kind of fire in hell, in the lava beds at the center of the earth, that kind of fire. You've heard about that. In the Bible, it talks about the wailing and gnashing of teeth. Well, that's the plan of the Supreme Creator by putting an infinitesimal piece of his herself into us, the soul, that would help in the growth. The Supreme Creator is all about growth. Does anybody out there know about growth? Do you? We came from babies, right? We grew from babies and we're adults. We have experienced growth. 
And hopefully we'll live to be a ripe old age in this beautiful world that we live in, a wonderful world with such a variety of life, with a beautiful atmosphere, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night, as in the song, It's a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. And that's the truth. Why would I make something like that up? And it makes sense. And you might not understand it now, but you will. I don't know why, but the mother and father God have blessed me. I'm alive today, thanks to their grace. It's a miracle I am still alive today. I'm so very grateful. Maybe this radio show that I've got is one reason. Because why not? spread this spirituality, even if you might think it's way out there in right field and you don't believe it, and you're entitled to your own opinion, if you want to believe in everything the Bible says, or you're from another religion, if you're Buddhist, if you're Hindu, if you're Muslim, you're entitled to believe what you want to believe. I kind of tend to think it's a good thing to believe in God rather than not believe in a God or a creator. And we're all at our different level of evolution, you know, like in school you have, I mentioned this before, I go over the same things, but for the benefit of the people listening to my show for the first time, you know, and I don't know who out there is listening to my show for the first time. Other people have heard me talk before and know that I'm repeating some of the same stuff I've said before. But we go through our lives. We're supposed to develop ourselves spiritually. That's why we're here to develop ourselves spiritually. It's not to have a job, make a lot of money. It's not to raise children. I mean, that's part of who we are. But the main thing is to develop yourself spiritually. And everything else will fall in place. If you have a relationship with your creator, and I know so much about this because I've learned. I've learned from other people. Believe it or not, all the books that I read are from other people. And there's just a few areas that I've had to cross the T's and dot the I's, you know, to create my reality system like a jigsaw puzzle, one piece at a time, thanks to all the knowledge I've gained from other people. And then the rest is just kind of like taking a a step into the uh, unknown, you know, and, and then I'll try it on for size, maybe talk about it on my show, and it sounds logical, reasonable, then I adapt that belief, you know? I'll never get down to myself for saying things or doing things that are helping me learn because I don't know about you, but for me, every day is an experiment in life where I try things at work. And I've got all kinds of different facets of my life, whether it's exercise or whether it's my shower routine or going to the toilet or the food I eat. I'm a vegan. Um, I donated one of my kidneys to my son back in 1995. And what kind of books do I read? What kind of television shows do I watch? All these different facets of my life. How do I sleep? I sleep on my back. And I don't sleep on my side. And 
all these different areas that I experiment with to try to find what works best for me so I can become a superhuman kind of. That's my goal. You might have heard the song by Don Henley called, I think it was an album called Building the Perfect Beast. Kind of like that, but different words. And I would think, I would think that you would be doing the same thing yourself. But I don't know for sure. So I have to focus on myself only and not anyone else. For the mistakes I make, I realize ultimately it's up to me to forgive myself. I can't rely on forgiveness from anyone, right? That's why you have all these people committing suicide, because... They think that people won't forgive them for the mistakes. And usually they make these mistakes, whether it's sexual immorality or they get caught up with drugs and alcohol and, and then aren't thinking reasonably and they get into a vicious cycle. And that's a shame. It really is. It's a crying shame. It's a terrible shame that they take their lives. Such a gift, a beautiful heart that's beating independently of our wills given to us. The moment we were created in our mother's womb. And that's why, on the subject of abortion, how am I doing on time? Well, I got a few more minutes. So I might not be able to read. But if you, like I was going to read from Heaven Bot, I will put this down. And hopefully, I'll dedicate a minute or two to reading what it's like around the throne. And it is such an incredible place. Heaven is beautiful. But getting back to abortion. I kind of tend to favor the side of the women on this, even though I realize that a baby in the body of a mother, if its life is terminated, that can be akin or compared to murder. You and I, we both, isn't that amazing? We both went through that fetal development for nine months. And at age, I think, 22 days, the heart starts beating, and then the body is formed. All the bones are formed, and the brain and the heart continues to strengthen, and the central nervous system. We all went through that. Nine months breathing liquids in our lungs, each one of us. Now, I understand that that body is inside the woman's body, and it can endanger her life, especially if it's a pregnancy that was maybe through rape or incest, or maybe um, she might be sick and not wanting to endure those nine months. And I understand, and I take the side of the woman in that case, but no, each one of us should know, just like you're walking around today, and you have a spirit and soul in your body, that the spirit and soul enters the baby during fetal development any time between the point of conception. Actually, I take that back there has to be some kind of body. Usually after the heart starts beating until nine months later, the spirit will enter the body. The more time it spends in the womb, then I think the majority from what I've read, and there's books, believe me or not, there are books out there that talk about this subject, and I've read them, and I know this knowledge. At any time after the heart starts beating to when we exit the woman's womb, our mother's womb, Usually, I think the preferred time is a month or two before birth, but 
It can happen and often happens before then, but after the heart starts beating. And if a baby is aborted or miscarried, then that spirit, if it was already in the body, then has to return to the spirit lands, to that pre-existence. Yes, that's true. You existed before you were born. And go back there, and then, unfortunately, it's very sad because I was looking forward to a life on Earth just like the life we have right now. It was looking forward to that, but it also understands the mother had to make a very difficult decision. So all I ask, what Blake would be asked, is that the mothers be informed of the spiritual aspect because it might make their, might change their minds and change their decision. If they knew, just like in the movie and the book, Heaven is for Real, the young boy has a near-death experience. He goes to heaven. He meets his sister, who was miscarried in his mother's womb. She's there. She hugs him. She says, I died in my, our mother's tummy. So the spirit continues to exist, goes back to heaven, and it has to, unless it's um, a highly evolved spirit, which then can, I think, I'm using my own knowledge at this time, can carry on as an adult Spirit. But otherwise, if it's a, a new, a young spirit, and not so evolved, and maybe with um, no past lives experience, then they have to grow up there in heaven from the child until when they reach adulthood, so to speak, which is about the age 30 mold, where everyone looks young and they don't look old, they don't look young. Age 30 mold. Anyway, so I just ask that women be informed, better informed about the spirit that comes into the body. I've read also in the book, The Soul's Remembrance, The Soul's Remembrance by Roy Mills. Don't you know that a spirit can look through the mother's eyes? Isn't that amazing? Oh, I've got 30 seconds, my friend, so am I doing on time? Don't I, don't I get an extra minute? Because I started a couple minutes late. Do I get any extra time? Or is that the time I've got? Doug? Okay. Um, well, we just quickly read from this book. You should get it. If you want to know about heaven, this is the best book. Paradise, the Holy City, and the Glory of the Throne, available on Amazon. Well, there's a lot of angels and chariots in heaven, my friends, and it's so intense. The colors there are so very intense, much more so than here on Earth. And there are different colors that exist, too. Believe it or not, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? And this hundreds and thousands and millions of people that have existed that were raised here on earth, that lived here on earth, different ages, throughout the centuries, different cultures, famous people. There's all kinds of events going on, seminars, concerts, feasts, where they dine on the beautiful fruit that grows there in heaven on the trees of life and water. They refresh themselves from the river of life, the beautiful water from the river of life. Yes, your spirit body can indulge in eating and drinking, even though, incredibly, it, there are no bodily functions, you know, to, to get rid of that waste. But still, it's amazing. So I won't have time to read from it. Next week, I will, about the throne. But suffice it to say, when you get near the throne in the city, the light becomes all the more brighter, and the glory and brilliance of the Mother and Father God's light is so powerful that as you get closer to it, unless you're spiritually developed and highly evolved, 
more highly evolved, and you can do that while you're in heaven, then you're not able to withstand that glory and brilliance. It's kind of like being in a hurricane, standing outside and being pushed by winds, you know, maybe 70, 80 mile an hour winds, and you know what that's like, you've seen pictures on television. That glory and brilliance of the light, the property of light, is like that, comparatively speaking. So my friends, thank you for listening. I hope to have you tune in next week. I love you. I love everybody. I try to love everybody. May the creator of the universe, the great, wonderful, amazing, magnificent creator of the universe, bless us all, everybody. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.